Good morning, welcome, glad you're all here. This will be a last, uh, last time we're gonna worship out here in the narthex. Next week we roll into new theme, new title, back in the chapel we go. Uh, so welcome back to chapel in there next week. A couple of thanks for um, being here today would be Joseph, our preacher, thank you for battling LA traffic to get here. <laughs> Eric for reading, thank you. I wanna introduce and then I want you to throw lots of hospitality and love towards our new uh, uh, Catholic seminarians, John and Roberto, please stand. Because then we're gonna applaud. <laughs> Thanks, and this marks the last day of the bingo card. Drawing for this will uh, commence on Friday. You will be notified. I'm not sure how, but it'll happen. Thank you to a couple of folks who have tended and cared for that all summer long. Um, let's see. Maybe I've used this one before. Turn to your neighbor when I wear these particular shoes. I'm more confident. When I wear these particular shoes, I'm more confident. Chat. Story time. In my family of origin, I am the tallest. In my current family system, I am the shortest. When I hang around tall people, I like to be a little taller. So if I'm wearing my clogs, you'll know, oh, he needs to feel taller today. <laughs> Confidence. I have another story about platform shoes, but that for another time. Let's stand and sing our opening hymn that's printed in your bulletin, Lord of all nations, grant me grace. God of grace, we gather in your presence as a community. We open our hearts, minds, and souls in worship to you. Thank you that today you dwell among us and we live in your presence. Come be with us, inspire us, and lead us in our time together. Amen. Amen. Today's reading is from the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14. For if you keep silent at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your fam father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. I am very thankful to be here today and to be able to talk about Esther. So Esther is a story, is a whole book that is filled with drama and extraordinary things. 
It's over-exaggerated at points. It's full of humor is what we're seeing more and more. But all of those things are just the vehicle to deliver this truth that Esther carries. So I feel a little bit responsible to do more than just one verse. So I'm going to give a summary of the book of Esther. 50 minutes later. <laughs> so Esther is an orphan who ends up living with her uncle Mordecai. And they are from the historic Jewish community. And in this time, so here's Esther and Mordecai. In this time, there's also a king who at that time has a wife named Vashti. And Vashti is a queen that is throwing her own feast while the king has a feast. So I'm going to say this again, that just picture this entire book being filled with feasts and dinners and parties, balloons. It's just always, there's so many feasts. I think that there's more than, I think, 10 feasts within this very short book. It is the scene for what is happening within. So very at the beginning, the king calls on Vashti because after many, many days of drinking, he decides that the party needs to, to have her come and so they can, so they can be impressed and awed by her body. And she refuses. I am not going to be objectified. So what happens is that the king decides, well, I'm going to send out a decree to all provinces that... She is rejected now, just so that other men in other provinces or other women in other provinces don't think that they can, they can reject their husbands or say no to their husbands. He says, I don't want people to know that this happened. So he announces it to everybody. So then moving on from there, the king, as in any good story, is, no, seen like, is made to seem not that smart, right? He's like that archetype of like the evil person who is a buffoon and because he is a buffoon Haman gets to Haman one of his most highest noble people that surround him gets to basically have a lot of power and use the king's power and to manipulate and to go out and one day this Haman who is even more so the bad guy archetype from all the cartoons that you see right He's the like, one that's walking around with his crunched up face and sneaking around. And he is going and he sees Mordecai at the gate of the palace. Before I go there, there's a big competition because the king starts to miss his queen. So he has this big competition, this big selection process, and Esther is chosen to be the new queen and finds herself this young orphaned Jewish woman behind the gates of the king's palace. There's a lot of drama. This is something that is like a novella and I love it. I am here for it. Um, so, so back to Haman. Haman is coming to the gates and Mordecai is at the gates and Haman says, come and bow to me. And Mordecai says, no, 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 I don't bow to you. I only bow to my God. And because Haman hates to be rejected, he then decrees that all the Jewish community would be annihilated on the 13th day of the 12th month and sends that out. 
without the king knowing, with kind of in a hidden way. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> Mordecai finds out about this, so he tears off his clothes and he puts on sackcloth, which is a traditional way of mourning. And he comes to the gate, and somehow Esther finds out, I think her servants tell her, that your uncle's out there in a sackcloth at the gate again, and she thinks, oh, that fool, like my uncle, we all have that one uncle, right? And, we, and she says, take him these clothing, this, this clothing so he can get out of that wear. And he says, no, no, tell her that this is what's going to happen to our community and that she has to go and talk with the king. When she hears this, she says, I cannot do this. I, can, I have to be called by the king to speak to him. And he has to point a scepter at me. And he hasn't done that, so I can't do this. But she's still behind the gate with privilege in the king's palace. So Mordecai sends back to her a message that says this. Act. Be bold and act. Because if you keep silence at a time like this, you think you're saving your life and your family, but that's not what you're doing. Because God's love for the Jewish community is so great that God will continue beyond you to find a way to save the Jewish community. And then Mordecai says to Esther, who knows, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just a time as this. Hmm. Wow. This is a great story. I encourage you to read it. Read it. It's really great. I, I'm going to read it again probably this weekend because it just is so inspiring. And I think that it's inspiring to learn about this Jewish history, but it's also somehow related to me and my Christian community. Because it talks a lot about like how you can act to love your neighbor. But I also think that our Christian community has a lot to learn from this young, orphaned Jewish woman who found herself with power to protect her own community from prejudice and annihilation and persecution, and she did. How long was that? So, moving on. Do you know this moment where you are in a conversation and somebody has said something to either you or yourself or to somebody in front of you and you know that it wasn't right? It somehow carried some kind of prejudice. Maybe it was somehow against, um, maybe somehow it was against, um, sorry, I need to make sure I'm at the right part. Yes. So that moment when your stomach drops and you know that you should say something, but you start thinking about it, what should I say, how should I say it, maybe I should say it, maybe I shouldn't say it, and before you know it, the interaction has ended. The person is gone and you have not said anything. And you get yourself stirred up, maybe for days, maybe for the night, you get yourself stirred up and you think, I should have said something, and then you start blaming the person, and you're like, that person is to blame. I hate that person. They're so mean, and I hate that they put me in that situation. But somewhere deep down, we really are hating ourselves for not saying that, for not responding. Or do you know this moment where you are watching the news and you see small children being detained without their mothers and having foil blankets to keep them warm instead of a mother's arms? 
Or you see a religious minority being yelled at in the face by somebody who hates them without even knowing who they are. Or maybe you see queer and trans people dying because the world's unsafe for them. Or you see somebody who is struggling with something in their life and they think that it's about race or their ethnicity, but they're not really sure why, but you think, I think I know why. Do you know that moment? It breaks your heart, it brings you to your knees, it kind of makes you feel like you need to do something. Or do you know this other moment? It's where somebody has told you that you have privilege to act, or maybe has confronted you about not using your privilege to act. And it feels horrible in your body, and it feels like you, they're wrong, and you start, post, you start posturing and saying, well, I'm not that rich, right? My parents are rich. This is stuff that I've heard. Like, I'm not rich. My parents are rich. You know, I just look white, but I'm not really white, right? I'm, and, you, and we struggle with this and try to find a way out of the feelings of shame, the moral shame of not acting. I know this moment. I feel this moment often. I feel all of these moments often. And I think that this is, must have been what Esther was also going through. I think that no character in our sacred text should be ever be one-dimensional, that they should be 3D and evolve, just like we should evolve, and that we should always be changing and surprising ourselves with how well we can change. But I do believe in a very one-dimensional way that Esther is the hero of her own story, and that Esther is the hero of the Jewish story. She is so much so a hero of this story that to this day, they still, the, the Jewish community still celebrates and commemorates and, and um, enjoys a non-Torah festival day called Purim. And Purim, as Rabbi Bell explained to me before, is the Persian word for lot. Because when they were picking the day to annihilate the community, they threw lots to see which day it was going to be. And Purim, I learned also from Rabbi Bell this morning, which I felt when I was reading this, I was like, I feel like I've been at this maybe before. It's also the same celebration that comes as holy for, the, for, our, um, for our other siblings in the um, Hindu faith. Hindi faith. Zoroastrian faith. And what happens is that they come together to celebrate this inversion of God's power in the world, making this young girl powerful and making this king who has a lot of power for an Haman who has a lot of power without power. This inversion and the, the salvation and the deliverance of the Jewish community, they celebrate by, by of course, reading the book of Esther in synagogue, and they celebrate at times by having a meal and being, you know, joyful and celebrating. And it's all to remember this action that overcame all these fears and all these moments that Esther knew well to act. To act and go with our whatever privilege we have, whatever gate we find ourselves behind 
whatever small ounce of privilege that we have to use it because with, when God is using us as people, it can be much more powerful than we think we can ever be. Dr. Laura Winner describes Purim. I love this. She explains how she grew up as an Orthodox Jew and would always see Purim but never quite knew what it was until she got a bit older. And she explains it as, quote, like Halloween and Mardi Gras and a bunch of other stuff all mixed up together. It's a holiday in which there's revelry and inversion of pe and people all dressed up. They wear masks and when you go to synagogue you hear about the book, the, the book of Esther read and you are instructed by the rabbis to shout and scream whenever you hear the name of Haman so that his name gets drowned out. She then remembers, you're also instructed to drink on Purim a lot. <laughs> Dr. Winner also remembers the rabbi saying, to drink until you can no longer tell the difference between Haman's name and the name of the king. Wow. Wow. The systemic power that we encounter in the world, sometimes we blame Haman. And Haman is, like I said, a bad guy. But when you think about it, and when you think about it structurally and systemically, the power to annihilate an entire community of people was not Haman's, it was the king's. You have to look at where power resides in our own life. Sometimes we're fighting with people who have not the power to do the things we are accusing them of, and it's just easier to fight with those people. We have to drink so much that when we shout to cancel out the name of the person who are aggressing in our community, oppressing in our community, so loud and targeted that we get confused with it, whether it's that person's name or the person that actually has the power to enact the violence. Wow. I've never been to a Purim, but I want to so badly. It feels like what I need, it feels like perhaps what we need as a country at times, as communities. We have a lot to learn from the Jewish community that has this precious history and story that feels like it was necessary in the world that, that encourages us rather to be bold today with our privilege and whatever, and to be bold behind any gates of power we reside. To be a bit extra in our identity and our force and our celebrations. And so often the parts of our identity that we keep hidden or the thing, the struggles that we go through that we keep hidden. I do wonder for our Christian siblings to ask, if we were to have Purim, what would we be celebrating? What bold acts of privilege in defense of oppressed communities would we be celebrating today? Would there be enough to have a dinner? Or is our dinner down the line? I'm unsure.
Rabbi Berenblatt, Rachel Berenblatt, feels it's important to point us to the resonance in the name of Esther and the word Nister, which means, that can mean something hidden but also in plain sight. I think we remember the hidden parts of our identity that can move us to action. I think we remember the hidden in plain sight, those, those hidden in plain sight like the communities of historic oppression that we see today continuing to suffer. Hidden in plain sight like the privileges we have and the gates that we find ourselves behind. Hidden, hidden, hidden with access that other people don't. Hidden like God at work and hidden like us resisting the call from God. In Esther, God is not named once. God is hidden at times, but works through people. Like Mordecai's words can echo even in our faith, keep silence at such a time as this. And relief and deliverance will arise from another place. In Christian communities, we can sit around dinner tables and conference tables and meet for a long time discussing what God is calling us to do so long that God has already chosen somebody else and they're in the streets doing the work. I realize I'm at a university with a lot of meetings. It was not, it was not a personal attack, but sometimes. Is God still at the conference table or is God selecting somebody that's in the streets already? God is already using people right now as we worship to love our neighbors, to proclaim the worth of our neighbors. Yes, Nistar, hidden. Hidden at times like God in our stories of inversion of powers, lifting people with no power to positions to act. People like you and people like me, people like us. Hidden like our struggle to act. I know that God always loves us first and empowers us to act. But once God loves us and we know it, how do we respond to that call? Mordecai says to Esther, we can, we says to Esther something we can allow fall onto our ears this morning. Perhaps we have privilege, access, a voice for such a time as this. Is it time? I think it's about time. Loving God, teach us the value, to value the time that you have given us in our lives to change and grow. Thank you for those moments when we experience challenge. Amen. We are grateful that you walk beside us 
gifting us with times of growing and waiting, of joy and of sorrow. God of life, God of hope, God of all, sustain us, guide us, be present with us in all times. Amen. Go now with a timeless God. Love one another all the time. Amen. Please share a sign of God's peace with those all around you.